This is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 60 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Homestead Journey. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And before we jump into this week's podcast, I did want to just kind of give you a rundown of the winners of the giveaways from last month as we were celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Homestead Journey podcast. So first of all, congratulations to Blake and Sarah for winning the Homestead Journey podcast mugs that will be coming from Creek Road Pottery. Now, I did want to give you a heads up. I talked to my brother-in-law this weekend, and well, as it is, as it is with anything handmade, things don't always go according to plan. He was not happy with how those mugs turned out, and so he is going to remake some mugs. So it's going to take a little bit longer to get them to you than I had hoped, but he felt more comfortable with that. And so if you will be patient, those mugs will be to you shortly. But I'm excited about those mugs heading your way. I think they're going to be really, really awesome. And um, so we just want to make sure we get them right. Secondly, I want to congratulate Ian for winning a t-shirt from our uh, t-shirt shop. Well, I can't talk tonight. That's tough when you're doing a podcast. (laughs) So Ian has won a t-shirt with the Homestead Journey podcast logo on it. Sarah has won a t-shirt with the words, keep up the good work. Dennis has won a brand new design that is launching this week that says, ask me how to pick up chicks. And Monica has won another brand new design that is launching this week that says, beautiful upstate New York. So I will be reaching out to all of the winners and letting them know and getting their information and their t-shirt sizes and all of that. Um, But thank you so much to everyone who participated. Those of you who were willing to share on your social media accounts and those of you who were willing to write reviews, I really, really appreciate it. And here we are heading on into year number two of our journey towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. So with all of that said, let's jump on over to this week's Homestead Happenings, and I will bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. Before we jump on over to this week's Charting the Course, let me share with you just a few ways that you can support the show. First, you can support the show by leaving me a review and rating over on iTunes, or if your favorite platform allows for them, leave me a review and a rating there. I would greatly appreciate that. Secondly, simply share the show with people that you think might find it helpful, friends, family, enemies, (laughs) anybody that you think might benefit from listening to the Homestead Journey podcast. Third, you can support the show by going on over to our website, thehomesteadjourney.net slash shop. There you will find a link to our Teespring account where you can buy some of those fabulous 
t-shirt designs. There you will also find a list of Amazon affiliate links to products that we use here on our homestead. And not only do we use them here on our homestead, we love them, we recommend them, we think you might find them helpful on your homestead. And hey, Christmas is coming up, so check those out. A portion of those sales will come back to us and help fund the podcast. All right, having said that, on with the show. So this week on the homestead, it was a bit of a slow week as far as homestead-related activities go. And part of that is simply the time of year. As I mentioned in last week's episode, during the winter is an opportunity for me to really lean into some of the activities, some of the things that I enjoy doing that I don't normally get to do during the spring, summer, and fall months. And so I really started getting involved in a few more of those things this week. And it really felt good to do that. This week, we also spent uh, a good amount of time together as a family playing board games. And last night, we did something really, really fun. Our town usually has an annual tractor parade. And what that simply is, is different families, family farms, community organizations decorate tractors and floats, and they pull them through town. And usually we have 70 to 75 tractors, everything from garden tractors all the way on up to big, huge combines. Um, the, basically, the only rule is it has to be a tractor. The only allowance that they make, the exception that they make, are fire trucks. And the fire companies will decorate some of their fire trucks with Christmas lights and so forth. There's a minimum number of lights that you have to have on them, but it's a lot of fun. It's a beautiful time and it just brings out a huge number of people from all over the place. In fact, the population of our town, I think, doubles or triples while the tractor parade is going on. And people sometimes are standing five and six deep along Main Street as we come down through with the tractors. This year, because of COVID, they decided to cancel the tractor parade. And so instead, what we've done this year is a reverse tractor parade where people are decorating their lawn tractors, subcompact tractors. We've got farmers decorating big tractors, businesses decorating tractors. And so now what you do is there's a map that's got all the locations of all the tractors that have taken part and you can drive around and look at these tractors. So that was a lot of fun. We did that last night. My son's Boy Scout troop actually decorated one of our tractors, my 1953 Farmall Cub that I have nicknamed Wilson in honor of a friend of mine who loved Farmalls. Um, he since passed away, but I nicknamed the tractor Wilson in his honor, his memory. And so Wilson is lit up beautifully uh, downtown. And so anyhow, it was a lot of fun to drive around as a family and look at those. We did do some homestead things though this week. Uh, first of all, um, my wife had to bail me out of a tight spot. And that was that the pigs escaped. Dagon Boris got out again. And he was down running up along the fence next to Bear, our boar, and his two girlfriends, Betswine Ross 
and uh, I think Sage is in there. And when Bonnie saw the pig was out, she thought it was one of them that had escaped. And so she let Boris into that paddock and then realized, wait a minute, there's four pigs in here and there's only supposed to be three. Bear started pushing Boris around a little bit. And so she was very carefully able to get them separated and get Boris where he was supposed to be. Uh, And then in the meantime, the other girl that's in with Boris, that's Basil, she happened to escape and then she was out running around. Thankfully, having them bucket train though, um, they just follow the buckets right back to where they're supposed to be. So I think I have that pen secured better. What it is, is it's just a simple pen that I've made out of four hog panels and some T-posts. And I think what I did is I, I did too good of a job. Now, what do I mean by that? I have the T-posts actually pretty perpendicular, pretty level, pretty plumb, I guess is the correct word. And so the big sow, Basil, is able to kind of put her nose underneath the bottom of the hog panel and just kind of slide it right up those posts. So what I did is I took a T-post, another T-post, and I drove it in at an angle, and then I went ahead and attached that to the um, hog panel And now she can't slide, at least hasn't been up to able to up to this point, be able to slide those hog panels up and down those plumb T posts. So I haven't had much problems with that with the other places where I have T posts and hog panels. But a big part of that is because those areas were rather rocky. And so in order to get T posts in, I wasn't really able to get them in straight up and down. And so it's very difficult for the pigs to kind of slide them up and down those T-posts because uh, there's all of that resistance there. So I guess I just did too good of a job getting those uh, T-posts plumb. And, you know, I just got to do a a more horrible job of driving (laughs) T-posts. But anyhow, my wife really handled it like a champ. I was very, very proud of her. And so the pigs are back where they're supposed to be. Nobody was injured, and uh, so I'm thankful for that. The other major thing that I did this week is you may recall that back in, I think it was April, March, April timeframe, it was right at kind of the beginning of the pandemic, one of our freezers quit, our upright freezer quit. And I bought a used one to replace it with the idea that when it came fall and we got another, uh, we, we were starting to fill the freezer back up again that I would look at getting the freezer that failed repaired. So this week I had the uh, appliance repairman come out and take a look at it because I'm supposed to be getting back pork uh, very soon, any day now. We dropped the pigs off last Sunday. They were processed on Monday. So I'm thinking maybe Monday, Tuesday, this coming week, we should be able to get them back after they've been sm- all the bacon's been smoked and, and so forth. And so I had the appliance repairman come because I always wait to the last minute on stuff like this. And he looked at it and he said the compressor on it was shot. And with this type of freezer, he did not think that it made a whole lot of sense to replace the compressor um, because that would cost more than buying a new one. Well, I have a friend that's actually getting ready to move. He's moving to California. 
And he had a freezer that he had offered to me actually before he even had made the decision to move. He had a spare freezer. And so my son and I went down and picked that up this evening. And so hopefully uh, that's going to work out good for us. And we will be ready to rock and roll as soon as I get the call that the pork is ready for pickup. Man, I am so excited. We've been out of bacon now for a little bit. And so I just can't wait to have some of that yummy bacon back in the house. I also spent some time doing some reading. Um, I'm reading uh, one of um, Wendell Berry's books, The Unsettling of America. uh, And I've finally been able to get back to that. And I'm also reading a book on root cellars. And so just excited to be able to get back into some of that reading, that homestead reading that I've been kind of pushing off. Anyhow, that's been this week's activities here on 3B Farm and Homestead. I hope that this finds you well on your homestead or wherever you may be. Let's jump on over to this week's Charting the Course. I'm entitling this week's episode, When Animals Die, How to Handle Death on the Homestead. You see, when it's processing time and I post pictures on Instagram or Facebook, one of the things I hear a lot from people is, I don't know how you can raise animals and then eat them. I see many homesteaders, especially new homesteaders, who struggle with the emotions that come from processing animals or losing animals to disease or natural causes. In fact, this week on one homesteading group in particular, there was a new homesteader who was loading up pigs to take them to the processor. First time he'd ever done anything like this. And he was really, really struggling with the emotions that he was feeling. And so he reached out to the homesteading community for help. Now, I have shared with you before on this podcast and in videos that I've posted before to our YouTube channel about some of the emotions that I struggle with. I've told you how it bothers me when I drop off animals to be processed and how in part that's because I really want to be the one to do the deed. It's not so much that I I have a problem with them becoming food. I certainly don't. They've been raised for that purpose. And it's not that I necessarily relish that idea, but there, there is a sense of responsibility that I feel where I wish in a perfect world that I could be the one to pull the trigger or to swipe the knife. And, and I don't say that again from a, a sick perspective where I relish that, but I understand the weight and responsibility that comes with turning an animal into meat. I've told you how it bothers me when I dispatch rabbits and chickens and pigs on the homestead. And I have also shared with you my firm resolution that the day that it no longer bothers me is the day that I'm getting rid of my animals. Unfortunately, one of the things that I have found is that homesteaders on some of the homesteading groups and forums especially ones who have been doing this for a while, they are less than supportive at times as we deal with these emotions. First of all, sometimes we feel the wrath of the vegans and the vegetarians 
who try to guilt trip us into not eating meat at all. When I posted about us taking turkeys to be processed and how I just, I felt bad about doing that because I had kind of grown fond of the turkeys and I enjoy having them on the homestead and so forth. The vegetarians and the vegans, and I can't even remember which one's which and what the difference is, don't really care. And if people want to live that lifestyle, I have no problem with that. Just let me get that out there right now. But they really jumped in and we had a rather fiery discussion um, because I didn't really appreciate their input. (laughs) But they will try to guilt trip you into uh, not processing animals and turning them into meat. And of course, then you have some of the old timers who think those of us who care are wusses uh, for caring. I've also had um, some of the old timers belittle me for taking animals to be processed and not doing it myself. Uh, and certainly none of that is helpful. I've also seen times when new homesteaders who maybe lost an animal to disease or sickness, um, or maybe it was due to an accident, or I hate to use the term neglect, but maybe something that they had done wrong. I have seen experienced homesteaders kind of take them to the woodshed a little bit. Um, As these people are wrestling with and trying to figure out what went wrong and what they could do differently, And then you have people who are just giving them a hard time about the mistakes that they made that may have led to the death of this animal on their homestead. And again, that certainly is not helpful when someone is dealing with death on the homestead. So today's episode, I'm hoping it will be helpful. I'm hoping that it will be a judgment-free zone, and I'll be able to give you some tips some of the things that I do to cope with death on the homestead. So I have five thoughts that I want to share with you with regards to coping with the death of animals on the homestead. The first thing I want to remind you is simply this. Death is a part of life. And that sounds a little bit cold and a little bit macabre, but it really is true. Death is a part of life. And that's simply going to be true on the homestead as well. My buddy Dave puts it like this, and I've shared it with you before. He says, when you have livestock, eventually you will have dead stock. And I know that might come across as a bit harsh and hard-hearted, but I think it's an important perspective to have. If you are going to make the decision to bring animals onto your homestead, eventually you are going to have dead animals. That's just a part of life. Now, sometimes it's planned. We are dispatching the animals to turn them into food. Sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes we do things wrong, and then an animal dies as a result. Sometimes it's via natural causes. Maybe they just simply got sick and died, or maybe a predator took them out. It doesn't make it any less traumatic or any less sad. Death is simply a part of life. And so I think it's very important for us to just keep that in mind, to remind ourselves of that when an animal dies, 
whether it's a planned death because we're dispatching them for food or whether it's for some other reason, we do need to remind ourselves that death is a part of life. Death is a part of homesteading. And that's okay. The second thing I would say to you is to not set yourself up for failure by naming food or treating animals that are bound for food as pets. Now, the only caveat to that I would say is that if you're going to name the animals, name them something like pork chop or bacon bits or barbecue or or Kentucky fried if it's a chicken, because as you call out their name, it helps remind you of the purpose of that animal. If you start treating them as pets, then those animals are never going to end up as the food that you intended for them to become. Again, I know that sounds cold-hearted and it might sound cruel, but it's important that I think you have a little bit of emotional distance between you and the animal if you are raising it for food. Otherwise, it is going to make doing the deed that much harder. And you may find yourself in a position where you're going to be unable to dispatch that animal. So don't set yourself up for failure. Don't name them and don't turn food into pets. The third thing I would say is feeling sad and upset is okay. And don't let anyone try to guilt trip you into feeling otherwise. I think that it's a very, very healthy emotion to have that you feel a sense of sadness when you dispatch an animal. I think that's very healthy because it helps us remember that they have died so that we can live. And so we're going to respect that food that much more. In fact, I think that's a big part of the problem that we have at least here in the United States of America, we've become so disconnected from our food supply that we no longer connect that meat in the styrofoam uh, tray in the store with a living being. We no longer connect the fact that they have died so that we can live. And so we don't treat that food with the respect that it is owed. And so when you feel that twinge of regret and you feel that twinge of sadness, in my opinion, what that does or what it can do, what it should do is propel us towards ensuring that we don't waste, that we don't take for granted the fact that something has died so that we can live. So feeling sad and upset, it's okay. Don't let people make fun of you and tell you that you're a wuss. If you need to cry your tears, cry your tears. It's all good. I'm not going to think any less of you. Then, carve that bad boy up into pork chops and bacon and, okay. (laughs) But along with that, I would also say don't let the death be in vain. Now, I say that, again, from the standpoint of ensuring that we try to use as much of the animal as possible. We talked and 
my episode with regards to from beak to butt and how we can do that with chickens. A lot of times people talk from nose to tail with regards to pigs and how you can use any, everything but the squeal. That might be a bit of an exaggeration, but the fact is we want to try to use as much of that animal to ensure that their death is not in vain. But if the animal dies from a mistake or it's an accident, don't let that death be in vain as well. Maybe you may be able to harvest that animal for food. So a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine had a steer that actually fell down and broke its leg. And so he had to harvest that animal sooner than he had anticipated, but he didn't let it go to waste. But if it's a mistake that we've made, then can we learn from it in the future so that another animal doesn't go through that? If it's a sickness that an animal got, and maybe you can't harvest it for food because certainly I don't think it's a good idea for us to be eating sick animals, but is there a way that we can learn from the mistakes? Is this a disease that we could have prevented? Is it a disease that maybe we can learn more about and be able to doctor our animals so that the next time an animal comes down with this disease, we can help nurse that animal back to life? So don't let the death be in vain. The final thing I would tell you is this. I used to say that if you can't harvest an animal, then maybe you shouldn't eat it. I've come to understand that that's perhaps a bit harsh, being frank. I was wrong. I was wrong in that perspective. Quite frankly, not everybody can handle dispatching animals. And I think that's okay. There are people who are willing to do that for you. There are mobile butchers that will come out and dispatch an animal. You can take an animal to be processed. Sometimes you may have to take it a bit farther than you would like, but there are certainly people that will come do the deed for you, or you can take it and they will do the deed for you. And I don't think you need to feel guilty about that. When I posted about taking my turkeys to be processed, I had somebody who, you know, kind of snarkily replied, I can never imagine taking turkeys and having someone else do them when I can do them myself. Well, First of all, he didn't understand. The fact is that in late November here in upstate New York, the weather is rather crazy. You never know what it's going to be like. And I'm quite frankly, not set up to be able, well, let me just put it this way. I'm a wimp. I don't want to be out there in sub-zero temperatures or in freezing temperatures. You know, let's say it's 28 degrees messing with turkeys, freezing my butt off. I'd much rather pay somebody else to do that. <laughs> and so I don't need to feel guilty about that. But if it was simply because I didn't want to do it, I didn't feel up to the task, that's okay. If that's where you find yourself, you can raise the animal and you can eat it. You just can't dispatch it. Find somebody that will dispatch it for you. You're no less of a homesteader. You're no less of a person. It's okay. It's all good. Well, that is it for this week's episode. I hope you have found it helpful. If you have any questions or comments, you can certainly reach out to me at any time. My email address is brian at thehomesteadjourney.net, or you can also reach me on any of our social media accounts. The links are in the show notes. 
As always, the music on this show was provided by Audionautics.com. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.